podcast and it's a pleasure to be with Michael Bergeron. He's the co-chair of an International Olympic Committee consensus statement on youth athletic development. He did that with Margot Mountjoy and he's also with Youth Sports for the Americas. He's got a tremendous experience in working with kids in sport and it's great to hit a couple of hot issues with Michael today. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thank you, Karim. It's a pleasure to be here. You really had a fantastic collection of the big names in this field in Lausanne. Now, why did you have to come together and make a consensus statement on youth athletic development? Well, Karim, that's a great question, and, and, and I'm happy to address that. Uh, all of us who are involved in, in youth sports, whether we're coaches, whether we're parents, uh, whether we're sports scientists or clinicians, we all see the benefit of youth sports participation if it's done in a healthy, sustainable way. Uh, but we also recognize these days that there's a there's a shift in the culture of youth sports. It's become much more of a business, uh, meaning that there's a lot of stakeholders who are gaining uh, financially from it, quite honestly. And there's an awful lot of uh, pressure uh, to succeed and to accordingly succeed at an earlier age. So the sports industry, the youth sports industry, has become very competitive and very much a uh, professionalized uh, in, in many ways, and that's resulted in, a, in just heavier training, more extensive, expanded physical loading of the kids, increased levels of competition and, and how often they're competing, and quite honestly, at the expense of not providing enough of the other things that kids should be doing in their lives, not the least of which is, is resting and recovery. So kids are paying a price for this, and, and they're paying a price from that excessive and, and unsustainable demands, and you see it in sport-related injuries, you see it in burnout, uh, you see it in, in less participation in some team sports, uh, and a host of other problems. So it was important to uh, make a, a bold statement and take a critical look at what is going on in youth sports, not only from a development uh, perspective, but also from an implementation of, of various aspects of coaching, too. And so we wanted to come together and, and really take a critical look at what is the current state of youth sports across the globe and what really needs to be done to make it a healthier environment. And, and these guidelines are really a first step at that, and certainly publication of guidelines isn't sufficient. Uh, so there has to be a, a deliberate implementation following this. Uh, but we really took a look at how do we make youth sports uh, more enjoyable, uh, more sustainable, healthier, uh, more of a focus on long-term development, and, and to really give a broader range of kids an opportunity for athletic success. And I'll ask you how you did that in a minute, but we'll just touch on specialization. Is that a concern? Well, specialization, Krim, is, is certainly a hot topic, and you, you hear it uh, quite often related to youth sports. And really what it's about is, is recognizing that if a child chooses or has a sport chosen for him or her too soon uh, and focuses just on that one sport, number one, you may lose the opportunity to find the sport that he or she really would be better at or would enjoy uh, more so. But by focusing on one sport and, and training and competing in that one sport too early and too often, then you're really loading the body at a time when the, when the body is really vulnerable to a lot of injury, whether it's the bone, whether it's, you know, muscle tendon, uh, or even just even the psychological and social burden of, of focusing competitively uh, too early. 
So the consensus really is, is that the body, particularly at the early ages and, and particularly at the early entry to sport, really needs to be exposed to a variety of uh, ways of, of being athletically uh, involved. And this does a number of things for the athlete. Not only does it reduce the risk of injury uh, by your, because you're not loading the body in the same way repeatedly, uh, but it also actually gives that young athlete a better athletic foundation and better athletic skills that helps the athlete to be resilient and perform better. So there's really two motivations. Now, that can be achieved by doing different sports, or it could even be achieved by just doing a single sport in a better way. But I think the, the evidence is pretty clear that a lot of successful athletes have played multiple sports, particularly in their younger ages, but even through high school age, uh, where they were still able to succeed as an adult. Do you have a specific example of a player who had that sort of story of diverse sports and then champion qualities later? Well, you know, on our, our consensus panel, I'll give you uh, two examples. Uh, on our consensus panel was Gary Hall Jr., who was uh, an Olympic champion, uh, 10 Olympic medals, five gold medals. Uh, he used to aggravate, self-admittedly aggravated uh, his coaches through high school because he he didn't want to put in the volume of training that uh, the others were, that the coaches wanted, but he also did some other sports. He participated in, in track and field, for example. Uh, and so that diversity, you know, brought down the level of overload or potential overload that he might have uh, incurred. And um, he was obviously quite successful having won five gold medals and 10 Olympic medals. Another example, I had an opportunity several years ago to be at the uh, National Basketball Association, the NBA All-Star Game in Houston, Texas. And I had a chance to speak to uh, Clyde Drexler, who's a 14-time NBA All-Star. And I, I was asking him about his youth experience in sports. And uh, he readily, you know, I said, did you play just basketball? I mean, here you are, this phenomenal player and, and well-recognized as one of the best in the NBA. Did you play just basketball? Uh, in high school. And, and he looked at me kind of odd. He goes, of course I didn't. He goes, I played baseball and I played uh, football in all four years as well as basketball. And, and, and he said that that did a couple of things for me. It made me a better athlete. Uh, and he recognized that uh, when he got to the NBA, those that just played basketball were not as good. And, and he said kind of jokingly, but I think there's some truth. You know, those that never played football couldn't take a charge. And so... <laughs> Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, you have elite athletes and there's countless stories like that of elite athletes who in their early years and even through uh, secondary school have participated in a variety of sports so that their pinnacle of athletic achievement was delayed uh, to a point or at a point where they really uh, could succeed rather than thinking about developing as a champion at 12 or 14 years old, because those that that excel and, and, and are those champions at 12 and 14 are rarely the champions at 18, 19, and 20. But we do hear about the Tiger Woods story and the Andre Agassi. So what about talent identification and people who are thought to focus in one sport and go through? Well, the, the thing about uh, talent identification, it, it, it's really difficult uh, to, to predict who's going to be successful. Uh, sure, we see those standouts of, of Tiger Woods and, and Andre Agassi that you identified, but believe me, there, there's a lot of problems that are now being well recognized with both of those athletes. 
in, in the latter part of their career, uh, perhaps in part driven by focusing on one sport and, and, and not developing in a more holistic way. Uh, but those are really genetic exceptions. Uh, certainly, if you have the right genes and you have the right environment for that gene-gene interaction uh, with your environment, uh, you're going to be successful almost no matter what you do. But what you don't see are the, the tens of thousands of others that thought they were going to be a Tiger Woods or Andre Agassi or, or any other you know, success story and, and did not achieve that. Uh, and so, you know, the, back to your point about talent identification, you know, it, it's really a, a challenge because, you know, there's a tendency to try to predict that too early. And a lot of that early success is based more on, on maturational timing uh, versus anything else. And, and when the other kids uh, mature, not only uh, physically and biologically and, and socially and, and uh, athletically, uh, they're going to catch up, and, and so things tend to even out later. And in this IOC special issue related to youth sport development, the committee came up with some recommendations, and uh, there's quite a lot of them, and why don't you focus on a couple of major ones? Just some uh, real standout themes that, that need to be appreciated. And number one, as we start out with general principles, we talk about the individual, and we talk about the variability of the individual, meaning as as uh, you know, not every child is going to be developing at the same time, uh, at the same rate. And, and so we really make an emphasis on that, that youth athlete development is, is really uh, contingent on the individual. And it's constantly changing for a variety of reasons, you know, development biologically, behaviorally, and, and such. And, and so we, we really focus on whether we're talking about the, the uh, you know, the development structure itself or the coaching or what the expectations are, we really have to think about a, an individual trajectory, which is not going to be the same as others. Uh, kids mature differently, they, they develop differently, and, and they respond differently to athletic training. And we also made a big emphasis about the whole athlete, uh, that you really need to be thinking about life-forming experiences uh, that are going to help this child develop more holistically rather than just within the confines of that sport. Uh, because they are going to be uh, needing to interact with others <laughs> and interact with their parents and interact with the community and, and probably not going to be successful as an elite athlete, just, just looking at the odds. But even if they are that, that elite athlete, it's, it's really important to uh, you know, embrace uh, that holistic approach and, and give the, that foundation of athletic uh, capacity and functional resilience, if you will, and, and really give the child the, uh, a broad level of skills uh, and abilities that will allow that child to really be successful, not only in sport, but, but frankly in life. And Mike, what about injuries? Well, we recognize, Krim, that one of the biggest predictors of injury in sport is previous injury, but also premature return to sport following an injury. Uh, we also know that, uh, you know, it's very easy to uh, overload a child and, and uh, you know, when you train for sport, there's always a level of perhaps physical discomfort. But if it, if it transitions into pain, uh, then it's clear you're doing too much. So whether it's recovering from a previous injury or whether it's in response to an overloaded, uh, you know, condition or scenario, if a child is hurting and in pain, 
you need to stop. And, and there's, there's no reason to, to promote competition and there's no reason to promote training or practice in a way that, um, that loads that affected injured area that, that could be interfering with or delaying recovery. Uh, so that's important because we, we do see a lot of kids who are training and competing, uh, you know, in, in pain. And, and again, that can be because they're doing too much or it could be because they haven't recovered from their injury. Uh, and lastly, you know, there, again, there's a lot of recommendations, but uh, we made a specific effort to highlight a call to action, meaning that uh, we challenge all the youth and other sport governing bodies to uh, embrace these recommendations and to emphasize awareness to their athletes and coaches and parents and, and administrators uh, and, and really do their very, very best to, uh, you know, support the, the promotion of these evidence-informed perspectives uh, and, and so that we together can really see an evolution in sport across the world, that it's more enjoyable, it's safe, it's healthy, it's sustainable. Uh, and quite honestly, the, all of that will lead to greater success. Thanks, Mike. And I'll put a little plug in there for the mobile app because there's an injury prevention app that the ISC have supported very generously, and that's mentioned in the document. It's, it's really, again, important to emphasize that these recommendations are not a barrier to athletic performance. Uh, these recommendations call for a broader definition of, of athletic development and success, but the irony is that if you make youth sports healthier, if you make it more inclusive, if you make it more sustainable and think long-term, that pathway uh, is actually a parallel pathway to athletic success. So. Uh, if you have that young athlete who has that genetic gift to excel in a sport, then, then really these recommendations give that child a chance to do it. For all the others, it, it really provides a platform for a more enjoyable experience and, and participation in sport and sports uh, and, and fitness and physical activity for the rest of their lives. Thanks, Mike, and congratulations. Uh, it's a lot of work for all of you on the committee and it's great to have this consensus statement in the BJSM and I'll underscore that the IOC supports four issues of the BJSM annually which have a focus on athlete injury prevention and the protection of the health of athletes.